Welcome to League of Lit, where we discuss books, adaptations, and anything else we wish to talk about and tie it to lit, because we can. Hey. Yeah. We're here. We're talking about the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. It is the longest title that I think I've ever read. I I think I've... I think I've read other books that have been at least equally equal at, at least in length. equal, right? Yeah. So I don't know that I would claim that it's the It's pretty longest. long though. And it, it is a long It's title. kind of a tongue twister. I never want to say literary first. I don't know why. I don't know. My what brain. do you what is your like gut instinct to say that? I say potato peel pie. So it's but the I, Guernsey Potato Peel Pie and Literary Society. I like potatoes. <laughs> so I think that's what why why that is that's what we're talking about today and of course as usual it is a truth universally acknowledged that we are not a spoiler free podcast it is i love that that's our new spoiler intro that was brilliant like snaps to kara for writing that it was brilliant it was one of my favorite moments i was so happy and proud of that (laughs) when i was like no no no. when we do pride and prejudice this has to be how it is and then we decided we're gonna keep it yeah just the first part obviously yeah, not the. We don't really care about the single men who are in possession of good fortune. No, because you know they only want a good wife, and we're not useful for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that it's that we're not useful for it. We just don't care. I think we err on the side that Lizzie Bennet airs yeah. on of what if he's gay? What if he's a serial killer? What if he's what a, a gay, gay serial, serial killer? It's <laughs> brilliant. But we digress because we have bored all of your ears long enough. Literally. <laughs> with, with Pride and Prejudice. Uh, we, will, we will be coming back to it, but that's not today. Today, um, as mentioned, we are talking about the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, which uh, was a book that was published in uh, July 29th, 2008. It is written by Mary Ann Schaefer and Annie Barrows. Which is so interesting that there's two of them. Well, I think with the way that the book is written, you almost need more than one author. Yeah, because they they wrote it all through correspondence. It's almost as if they lived the story. They obviously didn't. But like, (laughs) that's sort of how it feels when you have both of them involved. Well, and the part that makes it easier with having two authors, especially with how many voices you have to have because it is an entire book that's written in letters and Mm -hmm. telegrams and cables and all these other things that like you really have to be able to truly authentically have so many separate voices like there's only so many different kinds of voices that one person can truly possess yeah in my opinion i think it just depends on how many voices you have inside your head (laughs) this is true but it's set in post-world war ii england and so we're getting to see a little bit more of the aftermath of what life was like there. Specifically um, on the island of Guernsey, which is um, in the Channel Islands. Yes. They do have it split into two parts. Yes. And it's pretty much like part one is before our main character, Juliet Ashton, like goes to Guernsey. And then part two is while she is in Guernsey and kind of what happens there. Because... Our, our main character, Juliet Ashton, is a writer herself, and um, she did a whole, like, series of articles, um, and then it was turned into a book called Izzy Biggerstaff Goes to War. Yeah. Where she wrote all these articles under a different name, 
And then they like compiled them all into a book and and they published them. In a way, like the whole like Guernsey thing is kind of like her new assignment, but that's not necessarily like when she was given the assignment. They're like, okay, you're going to be doing this thing on Guernsey. Yeah. Like, no, they in the book, the Times asks her to write an article. Mm-hmm. And she essentially, after getting this letter from Dalsey Adams, who is a complete stranger who lives in Guernsey, who came to have one of her books as a cop, which is a um, essays of Elia. That's how you say that, Elia, 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 maybe, whatever. By Charles Lamb, <laughs> she starts to write him, and then starts. He tells her the story of how the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society came to be when the Germans were. In currency. So in this book, you have like you have a number of main characters, mm-hmm. but Julia Ashton is really like the driving force of this entire story. Most of the letters are to her. Yeah, she connects everything. Mm-hmm. Everybody is speaking to Juliet because there's seven main members of the society who are still technically a part of it. And yeah, she's just she's corresponding with them because she's so interested because. At this point in London, where she is, obviously London is still sort of rubble, but everything seems to be going back to normal almost with the quotations. Yeah. And I think she still is like, my life was destroyed during the war. Yes, I wrote all of these comedic things because I wrote Izzy Bickerstaff, but like literally her home was destroyed during the war. Mm hmm. And so I think to her, it's strange that they're sort of in almost this, I know in the movie she calls it a carnival, but everything's like loud and bright and everybody's so happy. And she's still sort of in this stage of like the war is not that long over. Mm-hmm. And so I think the idea that Guernsey is still really trying to get back from the war it fascinates her. Yeah, it's it's a completely different perspective because it it's also a look at how like cities and like metropolises can bounce back in a different way than like small towns and islands. Yeah. And in that time like the children got sent away. It was like days before the Germans came. Obviously people on the island were starving cuz the Germans were doing what they did during World War II, which was just pillage essentially. Let's talk about everybody Who's in the book? Sounds great. Um, so obviously we mentioned Juliet Dawsey, who initiates contact with her. Juliet has Sydney Stark, who is her publisher and one of her very good friends, and his sister Sophie, who is also one of her very good friends and lives. I think she lives in Ireland. I think it's Ireland. It's Scotland? it's Scotland or Ireland. Yeah, it's one of those two. Um, Juliet met Sophie. When um, at school, when she was sent to boarding school after her parents and, died, yes, and um, and Sydney is Sophie's older brother, and so that is how they all kind of came to be a part, yeah, of each other's lives. And um, and Sydney, uh, being a publisher, has you know helped make Juliet's uh, life of a writer be possible. Yeah, and he's great. I love Sydney. He's so honest and encouraging. So he'll like call Juliet on all of her bullshit because she she got a little bit. 
Yes. By a little bit, I mean like a lot. A um, lot <laughs> But he also, like she says she doesn't want to write another Izzy book. And he agrees. He's like, okay, well then don't write another Izzy book. And then she's like, well, I don't know how about this thing. And and he's just, he's very, it's good because obviously Juliet's a very creative person. She wouldn't be a writer if she wasn't. Mm-hmm. So it's good to have somebody like Sydney. And I mean, because of the like because of the fact that Juliet lost her parents at a young age, like both Sophie and Sydney are like family to Juliet, and that in a way changes the dynamic. It's more than just like oh well, they're friends and they like they work together. Like there is a familial connection there too. Yeah, she sees him again as an older brother, and also in Juliet's life, who's not a part of the society, is Markham Reynolds. Markham V. Reynolds. Who is annoying. <laughs> he is a publishing tycoon from America. Ugh. He's so, he's honestly more obnoxious in the book to me than he was in the movie. Because yes. he just like sends, at one point he like sends her a note and she wants to go to the library. And he's like, stuff the library. And I'm like, she wants to go to the library. Take her to the library. He's like, no, we mm-hmm. must go to the play. Like, maybe she doesn't. Which he doesn't even want to go to that either. Yeah. He's very pompous. And, like, he seems like one of those people who's like, we're going to do this thing. And I expect you to agree. Which just annoys me as a human. Yeah. From what I gather, at least from the novel, Juliet doesn't have the best track record in attracting sensible men. You think that the story of Rob... Um, that gets told of is an ex fiance of hers who, when he came to move into her house, moved all of her books off of her bookshelf and replaced them with his trophies from sport things. Yep. And that's what ended their engagement. And I re- I read that for the first time long ago because I've read this book several times. But when I read it for the first time, I was like, me, don't touch my books. Exactly. Although she does say if she had let him do it, her books would have survived. Yes, because her her flat was bombed um, during the war, and so she lost some of her books. But. No, I still agree she should have told him not to do that. At the same time, well, it's just, it, it's more of a, like, where's the human decency? Like, if you're moving in to somebody else's space that is already established you always should ask. Yeah. Hey, can I move this? Yeah, like, or like find a compromise. But he didn't try. He, she, she literally came home and was like, uh, excuse me, those are my mm-hmm. books. Mm-hmm. Please put them back where they belong. And this engagement is over. Goodbye. <laughs> and then, very sadly, he ended up dying in the war. Mm-hmm. But I mean, she has nothing but nice things to say about him other than that he moved her books once. But it was that moment that, like, showed her how little she actually knew about him, and it just made her question everything. I mean, they say you can tell a lot of, about a person based on how much they read or don't read. Yeah. In the society, there's these sort of seven basic members, obviously, Dossie Adams, um, Amelia Maugery, who is sort of kind of the hostess. She was the one who had the pig. That started the society because the society was started because they had a pig roast because Amelia saved a pig by doing what is the most clever trick I've ever heard. Somebody else's pig died. 
She used that dead pig to trick the Germans into thinking her pig was dead. And then they had roast pig. And in the book, she and Juliet really get along. Yes. In the movie, they do not. And we'll talk about that a little bit after we sort of summarize the movie up for you. But that's a, that's something to think about. Um, mm-hmm. um, there's Isla Privy, who is my favorite member of the society. <laughs> She's so quirky and I love it. She's just a witch. <laughs> yeah, it's like she's, she's described just... by those that are outside of the society looking in, but you know, like they live on Guernsey as um as the local witch it's because she makes so... different like concoctions and home remedies to like She's try essentially and... like a healer. Like she she's mm-hmm. doing what they used to do way back in the day, which makes sense because like they don't have anything on Guernsey right now, but like Okay. Um, there's Eben Ramsey, who is an older gentleman, and his nephew, Eli. His nephew, his grandson. I said nephew. Grandson. You yeah. heard me say nephew, right? I, I did. What is wrong with me? Uh, Will Fisby, who is, in the book, the creator of the first potato peel pie. Yes. And there's Elizabeth McKenna, who is not on Guernsey anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was one of the first members. She's sort of the one that came up. With she the, was essentially the, like the creator of the society. Yes, because they were caught by the Germans leaving the pig roast. And the Germans were like, what are you doing out late? It's past curfew. And she came up with this idea that they had started a literary society. Uh, but she is, to their knowledge, in a concentration camp. Yes. She was. So now they're just waiting for her to sort of come home. Because at that point, obviously, everybody's dispersed. They have D-Day has happened and... They're waiting for her to come home because she has a daughter, Kit, who is living with just the different members of the society. So those are all the like sort of main Guernsey people. There are a lot more that like sort of pop in and out. Um, I think my favorite person who is so awful is Adelaide Addison. (laughs) She's so funny how her letters are written. She's crazy. She's she's clearly the local gossip who is just looking to make sure that everyone else gets in trouble because she thinks that what she's doing is what you're supposed to be doing and she's not breaking the rules. So, you know, but apparently because these people decided that they wanted to actually, you know, heaven forbid, enjoy their life, even though the Germans had occupied the island, like the fact that they all had a society where they could be together and enjoy each other's company and talk about books and whatnot. That was a problem. It was a huge problem with her. In the world of Adelaide, that was a problem. She calls herself a Christian. I'm putting the, I'm putting the quotations. Her first letter, she signs it yours in Christian consternation and concern. Like who writes that at the end of a letter? We, we do get told at one point in one of the letters that Elizabeth McKenna slapped Adelaide yes. at one point in time. Which is brilliant, which she should have. Which just, in a way, like, draws you as an audience member to like Elizabeth McKenna that much more because of all the things that she has done that has made the lives of those on Guernsey truly better. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, do we always agree with, like, her methods and the ethics behind things? No. But 
they've at least made it to where their lives aren't boring and they're not sitting there in fear of their lives from the Germans, which yeah. from, you know, like from a historical standpoint, all of like the history classes and whatnot that I've ever like heard talk about World War II, that's honestly what it sounds like. Yeah. It was a whole lot of fear. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth is sort of this like shining light in the middle of this group of people who were all, I mean, they couldn't clean themselves. They had no food. Like at some point they ran out of salt and the Germans were trying to get salt from the sea. Like it was a really desperate time. And Elizabeth just seemed, she just seemed like she could find a way to find good. She is your like pure optimist. Yes. And like, and you know, as we mentioned, like Elizabeth McKenna isn't like a native of Guernsey. Um, the way that she ended up being on Guernsey during this is um, she worked for somebody. She was in service to like a a lord or something like that. That um, and he sent her to close the house that he had on Guernsey, and. Through different circumstances, Elizabeth ended up not being able to get off the island before um, the Germans occupied it. Which, I mean, if you look at it, um, Kit wouldn't have been born if she'd left. Because Kit is the daughter of Elizabeth and a German soldier named Christian who the society actually befriended Mm -hmm. during the occupation. Yes, and he helped several people in the society while he was on Guernsey. And he and Elizabeth fell in love and, you know, I don't know what happens. <laughs> she got pregnant and Christian was shipped away mm-hmm. and then died later. Which is just everybody dies. Um, it's war. Everybody dies when it it's comes true. to war. There's a lot of war. So Juliet corresponds with all of these people, learns their stories, starts to become friends with them. And then eventually you get to this point where they're telling her where each person individually is saying, you should come to Guernsey. We'd love to have you in Guernsey. And I'll point out in almost all of those, they mention that Isola has specifically mentioned yes. that Juliet should come to Guernsey. It's so all- really it's like Isola is like the inciting incident of everyone saying, yes, hey, we agree with her. You should come. <laughs> Which just seems to be like that would be her job. <laughs> so Juliet kind of spends this time trying to decide if going to Guernsey is the best thing. I think she knows it is, but she's like, she's got to talk to Sydney and she has to talk to Sophie. And then there's like Markham to think about. Yes, because at this point when she's like really trying to decide what she's going to do, um, things have actually kind of gotten serious with Mark and... It's like, well, I don't know. Maybe something is coming of this. Who knows? And, like, I think it's hilarious that, like, when when Juliet finally decides to just ask Sydney, like, hey, can I have your blessing to go? Because the only reason I think why she feels like she needs Sydney's blessing is because she's wanting to go for the sake of her article that she's writing. But there's also, you know, more personal reasons behind it as well. But, like, in order, like, that's kind of the reason why, like, she needs Sydney's approval because of publishing stuff. But one of the things that Sydney asks is, um, will Mark let you go? And her response is, he doesn't get a say. (laughs) 
<laughs> like your blessings received. He doesn't have a say. We're like, I'm going. <laughs> Which I love because I feel like Sydney did that on purpose. Sydney, I think, sort of used that to kind of show her that like she doesn't need anybody's blessing. Sydney was like, Does is is Mark gonna let you go? And she was like, Hold on. I don't need anybody to tell me that I can go to Guernsey. I'm going to Guernsey. And he was like, Yeah, that's what I thought. The ages of of these characters it definitely puts things in a slightly different perspective than some of the other books that we uh, have and will talk about Um, because Julia Ashton is 33. We learned that in one of the letters and we know that, um, that Sydney is 10 years older than her. And so like if she's, if Juliet's 33, that also probably puts Sophie around 33 and like, and then we get like vague ages for like everybody else. Yeah. Of like, oh, well, we think that they might be this, but like, these are like people who are fully in their like careers and whatnot. And it, it's just interesting to see how life affected, like how the war affected each of them in, in different ways, because like we get to hear about like Eli's experience um, because he didn't get to stay on Guernsey. He was shipped off. And then, but we also get to hear like Eben's, uh experience of having to go through that, of, you know, watching his grandson have to go away and, you know, how grateful he is that he gets to come back. And it's, I think it's a sign of like a, of at least a well thought out historical novel of we're getting more than just one perspective on this thing that really did happen. Yeah. Juliet decides to go to Guernsey. She's going to go. She is going to do this. She's going to get more information to write her article for the times. Mm-hmm. And when she gets there, I think it's very quickly in her letters. You can sort of see she's starting to fall in love with this Island and these people. Yes. She's already mm-hmm. sort of fallen in love with them through their letters, but she's meeting them now and she's like, these are these are the the stories that they can tell and the things that they've been through. The fact that they're all still smiling and that they welcome her with such open arms and everybody's so encouraging and so sweet in the book. In the book. <laughs> I have to say that. I think truly, I don't, and obviously in the end of the novel she stays, but like, I don't think she was ever going to leave Guernsey. Once she no. got there. Yeah. And that may have been part of her like wrestling with herself of making the decision to go is knowing somewhere in the back of her mind that if she goes, she probably wasn't going to come back. Yeah. But I think and you can tell kind of the way she talks about London in her early letters that she she can't see the river anymore. And like everything's still rubble and she looks this way and it's clean and she looks that way and it's, you know, still blown up. And mm-hmm. I think she is sort of London for her is not home anymore. And I mean, she grew up on a farm. So somewhere like Guernsey feels yeah. like it would be more home for her. Um, Cause she and Dolly talk about reading in the hay, in the hayloft. Mm-hmm. I love it. I would not want to read in a hayloft because it just seems like I would be sneezing a lot. I feel like I'd be allergic, but I like the idea of it. <laughs> Ideas it are good. Sounds Romantic. I don't know why. Um, to read alone in the halo. I don't know. So Juliet goes to Guernsey. She spends a lot of time sort of 
talking to all the different people that live there and eventually sort of realizes that Elizabeth is the center of her story. Yes. Elizabeth is going to be the center. And at that point, they need to find out what has happened to Elizabeth. Yep. Which in the book, they find out through a letter from somebody who was in the camp with her. Yes. uh, Remy. Remy Girard, who is a French woman who was in the same concentration camp as Elizabeth. Yes. Um, It's through Remy that we find out that Elizabeth did not make it. She was um, executed at one point for interfering with um, a guard beating another woman. Which just, it's, it again speaks really to Elizabeth's character. That yeah. in a concentration camp, with everything that was going on, she went and took a stick out of a guard's hand to stop them from beating somebody. It's just, Elizabeth uh, is truly the center of this story, despite Juliet being our protagonist in a lot of ways but like it's she's sort of the driving force of i mean why juliet's there kind of um i I would say that this is where we get a little meta of the story within the story because from the outside of just like okay this is what the book is about like the book is about juliet ashton and her discovery and journey that she goes on to getting this story that she is writing for the times. But then we're also getting to like hear and like see how the story unfolds of Elizabeth McKenna, who is the inciting incident and the catalyst of all these different lives that are on the Island of Guernsey. Yeah. And it's like you see the impact that her life made just because she chose to be courageous and not just watch her life fly by. Yeah. It's so interesting. This is a book about a woman writing an article, book, whatever you want to call it, with all these different. It's just like stories within stories within stories within stories. It's so and that's what's so interesting about it as a book. Mm-hmm. Is that it's not just this is the basic plot. This is what's happening. It's that these this is the sort of basic plot. And then you have all of these interlocking stories of all of these people. That's why it's so interesting. Juliet and. um, No, Amelia and Dalsy go to visit Remy. In France, where she's in a hospital. And. Eventually, Remy comes to Guernsey. Which is far different from the movie. But again, I digress. I will be back to the movie later. So Remy's essentially alone. Her parents and her brother all went missing during the war. She hasn't seen them. And so at that point in World War II, you were assuming they were dead. And Remy stays on the island with everybody for a while. And at that point, sort of starts to get close to Dawsey. But not in the way that Juliet thinks. Juliet sees it as... Oh, Dozzy's finding love. This is so great. This sort of quiet, shy man mm-hmm. is finally finding somebody. Why do I hurt? <laughs> like, that's how it kind of felt. She was like, why do I hurt a little bit? But of course, at that point, she's still technically with Markham. Technically. Technically. And Sydney comes to visit at one point, which is, again, something that's different. And after Sydney comes to visit, who should show up? 
But Markham V. Reynolds. Oh, Lord have mercy. The persistence of this man. Like, before Juliet went to Guernsey, Mark proposes. And Juliet asks if she can have time to think about it. Because of the last failed engagement that she had, she wanted to actually take time to really consider yeah. what this was going to do and if this was what she actually wanted. Because, yes, she enjoyed his attentions. She enjoyed doing things with him, like going to plays and whatnot. Like, she enjoyed being spoiled. Yeah. But she wasn't sure because she didn't feel like she had known him long enough that this was a good idea. And there's at one point, sort of towards the beginning of their courtship, but Juliet writes a letter to Sophie in response to a letter that Sophie wrote back, where Sophie literally asks her, are you in love with Markham Reynolds? And Juliet quotes it. She says, am I in love with Markham? And I think that she had to question herself is what sort of shows you that like later, no, she's not in love with Markham. But it's so funny because he arrives sort of berates her for like getting too close to all of these people and she's taking on too much responsibility with Kit because at that point Kit was staying with her and Juliet just throws him out (laughs) and I love it it was so great and of course you're learning about all of this in a letter (laughs) that she's written I believe to Sydney I think so even when she asked for time to think about it like you get from a letter that Juliet sends the day after that proposal happens to Mark of like, you're acting like I said no, which is not what I said. I asked for time. And then like in several letters later from Mark, we find out he's like, well, I've given you time. You should know your mind. And it's like, dude, <laughs> do, do you not see? All, do, you, do you not know what what is going on in the life of Juliet Ashton? A marriage proposal is not on the forefront of her brain. No, not at all. Because she is a woman of her own interests, which is nothing, like, there's nothing wrong with that. She is concerned about her career because she really enjoys it. Yeah. Like, she wants to keep doing it. And she's found a topic that she wants to write about because she's enjoying learning about it. And, you know, like, you're pretty much asking her to give it up. Which is funny, considering he's, you know, he's in the publishing industry. Like, because when, when Markham V. Reynolds first is introduced in, in the book, it's, there's question of whether or not he's going after Juliet for the sake of, like, oh, well, she's an author and he would love to have her write for him. Like, there's not really any, like, oh, he could be interested in her romantically. Like, that's just not how it's talked about. And, but then, like, when, um, when Juliet finally, like, gets a hold of a way to actually, like, talk to him, it's, it's kind of clear that, no, 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 he's, it's not, has nothing to do with professionalism or being, you know, him a publisher and her a writer it's clearly like, oh, well, the way that she wrote caught his attention. And then on top of that, her picture, like for her author's picture. She's not on, an unattractive girl. No, she's not. But between like those two things, he's like, I have 
to know this woman. Yeah. And she will be mine. She will be mine, which in book speak means she probably won't. (laughs) (laughs) It's just true. Essentially, Juliet thinks that Dawsey's in love with Remy. Isola agrees and is like, I'm going to prove it. I shall go to Dawsey's house and clean it for him, which is so funny. Well, she was like, I will find things that prove that he's in love with Remy because he will be keeping things, you know, he's a man in love. So he's going to have little trinkets and stuff. And she goes to Dawsey's house and realizes that Dawsey has a bunch of trinkets that are Juliet's. She, he has like books that she likes and things that she's left and photos of her and Kit and all of this stuff. And Isla obviously does not get it. She's like, it's so weird. He just had stuff from you. And Juliet's like, from me? <laughs> <laughs> me? Oh, that's cool. I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go. Um, I gotta go. I gotta go propose real quick. And that's exactly what she does. <laughs> she goes and she just says, do you want to marry me? And that is... And then the rest is history. So we'll talk sort of about the movie, about who's in it, and then we'll sort of give you guys a movie versus book thing because they are quite different. They are, but if you think about it, the like plot of the movie is the same as the plot of the book. It is all the same endgame. But considering this entire book was written as a series of letters, you all like you get the sense from some of the letters that there are letters that we have no idea yeah. what was said. We're just getting the other side. It's like hearing, it's like overhearing somebody's phone conversation, but you're only hearing the person yeah. that you're like sitting next to. It's really what it's like. And then, okay, now we're going to come up. Now I'm going to tell you a story about this woman who was on the phone and this is what she said. So I'm assuming this is what the person on the other <laughs> side said. Yeah. I Th- guess pretty this much is what like, was happening. That's pretty much like what they're yeah. doing mm-hmm. with this movie. Yeah. So the movie came out in 2018, and it's the same name, Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Say that 10 times fast. And it stars in our lead role, Lily James, who I love. I was so excited to see that she was part of this. She was really a great fit for Juliet Ashton. actress. And you have, I mean, like, there are obviously a number of wonderful actors in this piece, but we specifically have, like, four actors who have all done something together before doing this and so it's lily james matthew good uh penelope wilton and jessica brown findley they were all on downton abbey so jessica brown findley plays elizabeth mckenna our fated optimistic protagonist you have tom courtenay it looks like Courtney, but it's got an extra E, so I added some fanciness into it because he is yeah. European, um, who plays Evan. The guy who plays Dawsey's first name looks like Michael, but I don't think it's Michael. I always fail at name pronunciations, and I apologize for it in advance because like, I feel so bad, but like I never know how people's names are spelled. I'm going to go with like Michael Hiffsman. Hiffsman? Sounds great. He plays Dawsey. Catherine Parkinson, who plays Isola Privy. Um, Obviously, Matthew Good who plays Sydney Stark. You have Glenn Powell, who plays Mark Reynolds, which I love Glenn Powell. I remember watching him. I think the first thing I ever really noticed him on was Scream Queens, which is not a good reference. No, I think the first thing I ever saw him in was Hidden Figures. Another good one. And then you have Penelope Wilson, who plays Amelia Mulgrew. Eli Ramsey is played by Kit Connor. And Kit Connor was recently in Rocket Man as a younger version of Elton John. 
So obviously you can tell that we don't have all the same characters. And they did they did take out some stuff for sure. Um, you don't get the storyline with Remy. Juliet and Dawsey realize they love each other when they're not on the same island. She leaves with Markham. Which will always annoy me. I think the biggest thing for me in the the book versus the movie, though, is that in the movie, Amelia doesn't like Juliet. I think it's not necessarily that she doesn't like her. She doesn't trust her. And, like, at the beginning of the movie, she and Markham have already been seeing each other. We don't get that buildup of their relationship, which, again, I don't think is necessary. No, but I think it would have been better. I think it would have, too, because in the beginning, like, they seem like they're actually legitimately in love, other than that Juliet's sort of confused that, like, the world is in this carnival state and she sort of still feels like she's in the war. Mm-hmm. And he proposes and she, she kind of more accepts in the movie. Yeah. She wears the ring. She takes it. Not while she's in Guernsey. She takes it off when she gets to Guernsey. But it's that old movie trope of, oh, well, if I'm thinking about it, I have to have the ring with yeah. me to think about it. I don't it's like, why it. do you need that? It feels like you're saying yes. Yeah. And in the movie, she, Juliet originally stays with Adelaide, not knowing who she is because she didn't receive any letters from her and ends up leaving because Adelaide goes through her stuff and realizes that she's still writing about those insipid society people and speaking about Elizabeth McKenna, who was a terrible person and had a child with a German soldier. And that scene, I was like, Lily, please. I was like, slap her and slap her. Do it. She didn't. But I thought about it. It's cool, though, too, because you get to, instead of getting it in letters, you get to actually see the things that Elizabeth was doing. You don't ever see her die, which I do appreciate. Yes. But you get to see, like, how important she was to all of these people's stories. It definitely changes the way you see it. And there's a whole subplot in the book of Sydney's secretary coming and trying to steal Isla's Oscar Wilde letters. It's not in the book, but not in the book, not in the movie. But again, is a completely unnecessary subplot. Yeah. I I don't remember in the movie there being that whole plot of Sydney going to Australia no, to he take doesn't. care of another author. Yeah, because he breaks his leg in the book while he's with Pierce and then has to stay in Australia longer. That doesn't happen. He doesn't even leave. Yeah. And he never comes to Guernsey. Yeah. And I mean, like, it takes some of the some of the knowledge that we have of Sydney or the suspicion that we have of Sydney of like certain things of just like, you know, motives that he has in life and kind of like what what are Sydney's goals? Like we get that sense in the book of, you know, what what are the things that he values where I think there is brotherly affection, but not necessarily brotherly attention if that makes sense yeah they don't seem as close in the movies in the movies in the movie (laughs) (laughs) as they do in the book yeah and i think that probably honestly too would be a little because there's no sophie yeah and sophie would have been their glue because sophie is the reason they're friends it would have been sort of strange for juliet to just become friends with this man who's 10 years older than her Mm -hmm. as a child you know so I think that's why you don't that's why they're not technically as like glued to the hip as they were. And in the end of the movie, so Markham comes 
and and Julia sort of uses not in a mean way, but like she uses. I'm not saying it in a mean way, but she uses Markham to help find out what happened to Elizabeth because there's no Remy. So Markham is part of the army? <laughs> Question mark. He's in some sort of military faction in the movie that I don't know if we ever learn. Um, he's in some sort of military faction in the movie. And so she sort of uses that connection with him to help her find out, to help them all find out what happened to Elizabeth. And so he brings the news to Guernsey, literally comes to Guernsey and interrupts a very beautiful moment between Julia and Dalsy <laughs> and tells them that Elizabeth McKenna is dead. And then takes Juliet back to London with him. I still hate this. I know I said it five minutes ago, but like <laughs> it's literally like it's a whole it's the movie's way of pointing out like Markham just brings like for lack of a better term, death and destruction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of though. It it's more like metaphorical death. Yeah. Not physical death. Yeah. And in the movie, Juliet goes back to London and then starts to write a book about, she essentially writes this book in a way, mm -hmm. um, about the Guernsey Literary and Potato Pie Society and finishes it and decides she's never going to publish it. She's like, I don't want, this isn't, I wrote it down, but it's not for everybody. It's for them. So she then sends the society a copy of it, which then leads Dawsey to be like, I got to go. So he leaves. And the end scene to me is the best when they are both on the boat dock and they've just like missed each other. You got to build suspense. You can't just make anything simple anymore. Can't make it simple. But they, Dawsey is coming to London. Juliet is going to Guernsey. And so... He's getting off one the boat and she's getting onto the boat. She sort of catches a glimpse of him and is like, that's Dawsey. <laughs> that's that man. I know him. Thinks she loses him. And then he shows up and she does the same thing. Do you want to marry me? And he says yes. Either way you look at it, like even if the movie is not a perfect portrayal of the book, it's still a really good portrayal because you still get the end game. Yes. You don't you don't necessarily lose the the heart of the story. You just lose some of the pieces that make it a little bit more endearing or more yeah, powerful along the way. Um but at the same time this was a book written in purely in letters and so they really had a lot of space to take liberties on a vast variety of different things. I enjoy watching it and I enjoy reading it and I get sort of a different experience out of both of them. Yes. Same end game though. I'm always happy when Julia and I'm like, yes, this is what I came here for. Well, like, I think in the book it's, I remember even like, cause I had obviously no idea what I was getting myself into when I read the book, but like I found myself hoping that it'd be Juliet and Dazzy. From the I beginning. Never yeah, I never particularly cared for Markham V. Reynolds. 
No, and their letters to each other in the book are flirty. It's like flirty undertones, the way they speak to each other and the way that they sort of understand each other through just letters that having never met. Um, and I think that's what's so endearing about it. There's only so far that we can go with this. So um, if, we, if we do actually make it to 45 minutes, we are both surprised. Yeah, one book, one movie. That's all we got. It's a weird one for us. We just did three episodes about one book. Yeah. <laughs> so this, is, this was a shift. <laughs> it was. It was a shift for both of us, which I think is, you know, it'll be nice to sort of get back into that because we don't have anything super heavy again for a while. So, But thank you to the authors who uh, took the time to create such a wonderful way to experience a story. Um, because the whole I like concept of um, things being written in letter form and that being the only way you get to find out any information, I found it to be very interesting and I enjoyed. Oh, it I did very too, much. and it was very cool to get to sort of almost interpret things your own way. And you know, thank you to those that made it come to life in. The movie adaptation while it is not necessarily the most faithful adaptation it is the only one that we have and, and we like it still so and we, and we still enjoyed it immensely yes thank you i'm gonna say it thanks to zakaka for making our beautiful art like it's beautiful it really is and thanks to all of you for listening to our ridiculousness and to an extent our lack of having content in a way Today, yes. But, the, I mean, like we said, there's only so much that we can we can offer with yeah. one book and one adaptation. But no, we always have thoughts. And there will be more at some point. <laughs> Just not today. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to League of Lit. If you have any suggestions for an episode, feel free to leave a comment on leagueoflit.tumblr.com.